Chapter 16. You Better Move On. Amy pulled into the empty church parking lot, got out of the car, and headed toward the front office to make a few copies of handouts for Sunday's lesson. She got the copier going, glanced down the hall, hesitated, then walked to Honey's office. She slowly opened the door and took a deep breath. Somehow it still smells like you, she thought, as she picked up the picture she had taken of Honey, Charlie, and their daughters at the beach. Have I done the right thing here, she murmured. I promised to take care of them for you, but it's still so strange. I don't want you to ever think we could replace you, but I'm trying to do what I think God is showing me is best for Charlie. I'm trying to let God run the show this time. She heard the door open at the front of the office suite, put the picture down, and closed the door behind her. Hello, she called out as she walked back toward the front. Who is that, Amy? Elaine, the church secretary, called in response. Yeah, it's just me. I'm making a few copies for Sunday. Thought I'd stop into Honey's office for a minute. She paused. Elaine, your husband is on the personnel committee. The children's pastor position is still technically open, right? Elaine narrowed her eyes. I suppose. Why? Amy looked down, swallowed hard, then raised her eyes to meet Elaine's. Oh, I was just thinking it might be time for someone to step into that role. It could be a good thing for the church. Elaine pushed back from her desk and crossed her arms. You're not thinking of giving it to that girl, are you? What girl? Amy asked. Wait, do you mean Carol? Of course I do, Elaine said. I saw you all the other day having coffee and laughing like you were best friends. She's already taken Charlie and you're apparently fine with that. Are you just going to hand her honey's position now too? Amy's face flushed, and she took a deep breath. That's actually not at all what I had in mind, she muttered, grabbing her copies and her purse before turning on her heel and leaving the office. When she got to the parking lot, she saw that Elaine had parked right next to her Mercedes. Over the line, in fact, Amy thought. A knot formed in the pit of her stomach, but she walked around to the passenger side of the car anyway. She closed her eyes, took a deep breath, slowly opened them, and grimaced when she saw it. A small scratch, exactly where Elaine's door would have hit when it opened. Amy could feel the veins in her neck pulsing as she bent down to take a closer look. She could probably have it buffed out, but everyone in church knew how much she loved her car. For Elaine to park right next to her, bang it with her big old Lincoln, and then act like nothing happened was completely unacceptable, she thought. She opened her driver's side door, tossed her things on the seat, and stormed back inside. Elaine Armstrong, she yelled as she flung the office door open. What do you think you have done to my car? Did you think I wouldn't notice the scratch a mile long? The whole darn parking lot was empty and you parked right next to me? Elaine's face paled as Amy leaned over the desk and glared at her. And what do you mean calling Carol Allen that girl? That girl has already been a huge help to this entire church. That girl has put a smile on Charlie North's face for the first time in five years, and that girl is one of the dearest people in the world to me. I don't ever want to hear you or Debbie or anybody else say an unkind word about her. Do you hear me? Elaine scowled at Amy, but she nodded once. Amy nodded in return. Good. That's more like it. She started to leave, then turned around and smiled sweetly. Oh, and one more thing. She's not applying for the children's pastor position. I am. 
Elaine's mouth dropped open. Amy, still smiling, sailed out the office door, through the parking lot, and got into her smudged car. A few minutes later, she pulled onto Carroll's street and was surprised to see Charlie's car already in her driveway. Well, I guess he's fine after all, she muttered. As she drove closer, she saw him walk out of Carol's house, return the key to the azalea plant, and turn and look back at the house. His shoulders slumped. He leaned against the post and wiped his eyes with a handkerchief. Is he crying? She thought. She instinctively slowed and pulled over to the side of the street. With his head down, Charlie wiped his eyes again, blew his nose, then got in his car and drove away. She waited another moment, then pulled into the driveway herself. She could see the turkey box was still on the porch. Men, she thought, shaking her head. Of course he couldn't have just picked it up and put it inside. She hopped out of the car, grabbed the house key in the box, and headed inside. There was a vase of white camellias on the kitchen counter. Okay, well that's sweet, she thought. Then she realized there was a card with Carol's name on the envelope beside the vase. Her stomach sank. Something didn't feel right about this. As she put the turkey in the refrigerator, she caught sight of the painting Carol had done of Charlie's backyard. Carol had been keeping Amy posted on its progress, but she hadn't actually gotten a chance to see it. The details took her breath away. Carol had captured the sunrise, pond, and all the surrounding trees perfectly. Peering closely, she noticed more details. Carol had included a record player with an Otis Redding record on it. Charlie's initials on the deck chair where he always sat, a Baylor flag in a neighbor's yard, and even Honey's coffee mug on the table. Oh my goodness, she thought. This is incredible. She looked at the envelope again, suddenly worried for her friends. God, she prayed as she picked it up. I know I can be a little nosy, but I'm not exactly in the habit of reading other people's mail. I'm worried, though. Something seems wrong. Can I go ahead and take a look at this? She paused. Well, lightning didn't strike me down on the spot, she murmured, chuckling. I guess it's okay. She opened the note. Dear Carol, I know this will be hard to understand, but I've been doing a lot of thinking about the future. Sweetheart, you were right from the beginning. We're in two different seasons of life, and I realized it's for the best if we keep them separate after all. I can't be there for you and Cal. You better move on. I'm so sorry. Tell Cal I'm sorry, too. Yours, Charlie. Oh, Charlie, what are you doing? Amy asked. She read the letter again, pacing around the living room. She thought about the years of Honey's illness, all the appointments, how Charlie had taken leave from work to make sure he didn't miss a single one, the last difficult weeks, how much she'd seen him go through with her best friend's struggle to hang on to life. He'd never once faltered. She thought about him holding Cal's hand in the hospital after Thanksgiving. Then the way he'd gazed at Carol during the Christmas Eve service at church, when the late afternoon sun coming through the stained-glass window had illuminated her in light. Two rows back, she'd seen him turn his head upwards, eyes closed, and mouth, thank you. It just didn't add up. She shook her head and picked up the phone. Ford? Something's happened with Charlie. He's left Carol a ridiculous letter and isn't answering his phone. I'm about to go pick her up at the airport and she is going to be beside herself. Now you'd better tell me everything you know about this. Now, Amy, why would you think? He protested. Amy cut him off. 
No, don't you bother denying it. I know something is up with him, and I don't think he would have done anything like this without telling you first. Darling, you know there are times in life that call for difficult decisions, he said, moving into what Amy called the voice of the closing argument. And you know there are times I have to honor attorney-client privilege. And there are times... She rolled her eyes and interrupted him again. Ford, don't you talk to me about attorney-client privilege, she shouted. You are an absolutely infuriating man. She hung up the phone, took a deep breath in and out, hesitated for just a moment, then tucked the note in her purse and left to drive to the airport. She was waiting for Carol in the pickup area when a text came in from Ford. I can't say anything more, but you might ask Carol about Doug Allen. Amy grinned triumphantly. Ford always had a way of coming around. Amy looked up from the phone to see Carol jogging toward the car, waving cheerfully. She hopped in and tossed her suitcase in the back. This is so sweet of you, Amy. I could have just taken an Uber. Nonsense. Sounds like we need to catch up. Where to? To see my great uncle. What? I don't think you've told me about this. It's only about ten minutes away, Carol said as she gave her the address. Fill me in. Amy said as she gestured to the coffee in the cup holders. Well, a while back, I had asked Melody to dig around to see if she could find out any more information about my grandmother. My mom died when I was born, and I never knew my grandparents, and I had just been feeling like I was missing out on knowing about this part of my family. So she tracked down a man that she thought was my grandmother's brother living here in Dallas. No way! That is amazing, Amy said. Well, Melody's a really good librarian, Carol laughed. It turns out it was him. I've gone to see him a couple of times, and I introduced him to Charlie just before Christmas. I brought back a few things for him from Alabama that I thought he'd like, so I wanted to drop them off while we're over on this side of town. That's just incredible that he's here, Amy said. Definitely a God thing. So how was the rest of your trip? Ugh, Carol groaned. How much time do you have? Well, why don't you start by telling me about Doug Allen, Amy asked. Doug Allen? That's my father-in-law. Amy nodded. Ford said there might be some kind of issue with him. Good grief, they move fast. How did he even... She sighed. Let's just say they were pretty unhappy to learn about Charlie and me, so they threatened Cal's trust fund. Are you kidding me? No. Carol said. It was terrible. I wasn't even going to mention Charlie to them, but Cal brought it up. Then I let it slip about his age. Ryan's mom really let me have it, and his dad, she trailed off and shook her head. Well, Doug's not good with boundaries, you know. Amy glanced over at her and raised her eyebrows. Carol nodded. Yeah, that kind of guy. Good heavens, Amy said. Has it always been this tense with them, or was it just since your husband died? Oh, it was always, Carol said. They didn't like me from the beginning, which made Ryan like me even more. We got married over their objections right after college. I avoided Doug as much as possible, and Jean tolerated me, especially after Cal came along. But when everything else started with Ryan, they didn't want to hear about it. When what started? Amy asked. The two of them had gotten close, but she knew there were still parts of herself that Carol hadn't shared. Carol looked at her lap and picked at the shredded part of her jeans. Hey, you can trust me, Amy said. I'm in your corner. Thank you. Carol smiled sadly. Ryan was complicated. He was deeply unhappy for a lot of reasons, and 
to make a long story short, he took a lot of that out on me. By the end, he was out drinking every night. He'd been unfaithful many times, and he was starting to get rough physically. He'd um he'd shove me down a few times and grab my wrists hard enough to leave bruises. And um, he, you know, I'm sorry, I don't think I can talk about all of it. It's okay, Amy said, reaching her right hand over to take Carol's. Just share what you feel like. Carol sniffed and cleared her throat. He never got rough with Cal, or I would have left, but things were just really dark. When I talked with his parents, though, about my concerns for him, they always refused to believe he was doing anything wrong. I actually just found out on this trip that he'd gone to see them the night he died. I had no idea. It sounded like he might have been turning things around, but... Years ago, when I tried to get him help, they threatened to cut off Cal financially, which they threatened again while we were there this time. I guess they mean it if Ford somehow knows about it. Oh, Carol, I'm so sorry, Amy said. I could tell things weren't great, but I didn't even imagine it was as bad as all that. You've had a lot on you. Thank you, she replied. God was so good to strengthen my faith through it. You know, I got to where I could hear Jesus more in the darkness than I have at just about any other time in my life. He kept reminding me he was there. He brought me through it. Then he led me out here. And when I met Charlie, I couldn't believe I might have a chance at this again, that someone that good could really exist, much less love me. He's so... Well, you know him. You know how amazing he is. Carol laughed quietly. I'm going to kill Charlie with my own bare hands, Amy thought, her jaw clenching. So how is he? Carol asked. Did you track him down for me? As a matter of fact, Amy said, stalling for time. Oh, is this your exit? Oh, yeah, this is it, Carol replied. Oh, goodness, I'm so excited to see him again. He's told me a little about my grandmother. Apparently, I get my love of coffee from her, by the way. He said she drank it around the clock, just like us. Well, you know that makes her all right in my book, Amy said. Carol laughed as they pulled into the parking lot of the assisted living facility. You sure you don't mind waiting? I have a cup of coffee and a book, Amy replied. I'll be fine. You just take your time. Good luck. As she walked inside, Amy leaned back in the driver's seat, thinking through what to do next. God, she prayed, I'm at a loss here. I want to help, but I'm leaving this in your hands. Just show me what to do and I'll follow your lead. Carol walked down the now-familiar hall and heard a football game coming from room 12. College game today, huh? she asked. Willie stood slowly and grinned. Hey, Christmas Carol, he said. She smiled in return. You've heard that one before, huh? he asked. Yeah, but I don't mind it from you, she said. They hugged and she handed him a bag. He sat back down and looked inside. Golden Eagle Syrup, he exclaimed. I haven't had this in years. Now I'll see if these folks here will make me some biscuits to go with it. Roasted peanuts, buffalo rock ginger ale. Oh my goodness, this brings back a lot of memories. Tears welled up in his eyes and Carol stood, squeezed his shoulder and got him a bottle of water from the mini refrigerator. I didn't really get you anything, he said. Oh, that's fine, she replied. No, I mean, I didn't get you a present, he sighed but I have been thinking it's time you know the truth about what happened with your grandparents. The truth? Carol asked. Well, 
the whole story at least. It's just been hard for me to talk about. In fact, I haven't talked about it since I moved out here. I tried to put all that behind me then, you know? Carol nodded. I'd appreciate hearing it if you don't mind. Well, when your mama was still a little bitty thing, about Cal's age, in fact, your grandpa sent her off to school one day. No warning, no nothing. Just came home, packed her up, and sent her to some place for music up north. Connecticut, I think. Regina could sing like nobody's business, even then. But your grandma liked to have had a fit. She came out to our house, ranting and raving. We thought she'd lost her mind. She was going on about going to get her, but of course there wasn't much she could do about it. Not back then. He took a long drink of water and a deep breath. But I went back with Joy to the house that night. She was so mad she was just going to pack up and go. Go get your mama and figure something out, she said. But while she was packing, some white men showed up. Had torches and such. You probably know what I mean. They called for your granddaddy. He went outside. They all got to having words. Your grandma and I were watching from just inside the front door. And it sunk in with her that he must have gotten wind they were coming. Sent Regina off to protect her. So when she saw one of them pull a rifle up to his shoulder, she ran right outside and jumped in front of your granddaddy. He took another sip of water, pulled a handkerchief from his pocket, and wiped the tears from his eyes. He never saw her coming, and she fell into his arms after she was shot. He held on to her for just a second, then your granddaddy pulled his own pistol. The man with the rifle shot him first. After that, they threw the torches at the house and took off. I hightailed it out the back way, and by the time I got around to the front of the house, they were both... It was too late. He shook his head. I didn't know what to do. I was just 16, so I ran home and told Mama and Daddy. By the time we got back, the house was about gone. They took care of things for him and Joy. I'm not even sure what they did. Those days after are a blur in my head. I left for Texas not long after that. Just couldn't stay in Alabama any longer. I don't know what to say, Carol replied softly, taking his hand. I'm so sorry. That's just horrible. You must have been heartbroken to lose her like that. Willie nodded, tears filling the wrinkles at the edges of his eyes. We were. We really were. And your mama, too. She came back as soon as she could get out of that school. Wanted to be a singer, voice like an angel. But she wouldn't hardly have anything to do with us. That school was a bad place for her, and I think she blamed us for letting him send her away. Your mama wrote me when she and your daddy got married, then when your sister was born, but that was about it. So to have you out here now, well, it just means a lot to this old man. Carol put her hand over her mouth and nodded, choking back the tears. It means a lot to me, too. I can't even tell you. They sat quietly for a minute. Why do you think she did it? Carol finally asked. Why do you think she sacrificed herself for him? Didn't she think he could have protected her? Willie nodded. That's a good question, he replied. Your granddaddy was a strong man, but sometimes even strong people need protecting. And I really do believe your grandma loved him. That love made her put what was best for him ahead of what was best for her. I just wish it hadn't ended the way it did. Maybe in a different time it wouldn't have. He sniffed and wiped his eyes again. A nurse came by and knocked on the door. Mr. Green, it's about time for your afternoon appointment. I guess that's my cue, Carol said softly. 
They both stood, and she gave him a hug. I'll see you again soon. You'd better, he said, and bring Cal back. Maybe he could come watch a Cowboys game with me. She smiled. That sounds perfect. They walked down the hall together, and he turned to go toward the nurse's office as she headed toward the exit. Then she paused, walked back to him, and hugged him one last time. Thank you, she whispered. Come back soon, he said again. I will, I promise, she replied. She held back her tears and gave him a small wave. Someone was playing the piano in the lobby, and she paused for a second to listen and regain her composure. After checking her phone again, she walked to the parking lot and got in the car. How'd it go? Amy asked. Oh my goodness, Carol replied. We've had good visits before, but this was something special. I never knew my grandmother, but it feels like I have the chance to know her now, through him. She squeezed Amy's arm. Amy, she gave up her life for my grandfather, Carol said, shaking her head. What? Oh, my word. Then he died, too. Carol pursed her lips. They were both shot. After he had sent my mom away to school, he was protecting her by sending her away. She brought her hands to her eyes and shook her head again. Carol, that's terrible, Amy said. I'm so sorry. It was, oh, it was a lot to take in. But I wanted to know more about my mom's family, and now I do. Now I have that chance. I still can't believe I have a great uncle here in Dallas. God is so good, isn't he? I'm sorry. I think I'm babbling. It's just going to take me some time to process all this. Completely understandable, Amy replied as she pulled out of the parking lot. And I'll listen anytime. I'm here for you, whatever you need. I know, and I'm so grateful for you. She started to cry. I'm sorry. I just wish I could tell Charlie all this, too. She gave her phone a light shake. Still nothing, she said. I've heard nothing from him. I don't want to sound paranoid, but I can't shake the feeling something is wrong. This is just so unlike him. What do you think is going on? She saw Amy shift in her seat and frown as they pulled onto the interstate. Did anything happen between the two of you? She asked. Y'all didn't have a fight or even a difference of opinion over Cal or the girls? No, nothing at all, Carol replied. We've been nothing but happy. We had Christmas Eve at your house, and Cal and I flew to Alabama on Christmas Day. We talked then, and everything was fine. Then I couldn't reach him afterwards. At first, I just thought he was tied up. He said he had some things to do here, appointments and errands to run, and he was thinking about going to Austin to help Emily and Beth with something at their apartment. But he had made me promise to be back by New Year's, she said softly, biting her lip. She looked at Amy, her concern growing. But you haven't been able to reach him either? Do you think everything's okay? Honestly, I'm not sure what's going on, Amy mused. Well, that worries me even more. You always know what's going on, Carol said. Amy chuckled. You said he had breakfast with Ford, Carol continued. Has he heard anything else? Oh, Ford's no help. He's citing attorney-client privilege. Oh, I knew something had to be off with him, Carol said, as they neared the Davidson exit. But why won't he talk to me? Why would he just disappear like that? Do you think it has something to do with Doug and Jean? Surely he wouldn't let them scare him off or anything. Carol, I've known Charlie North for 30 years. Don't tell Ford, but Charlie is the kindest, most selfless man I've ever met. And anyone with eyes can see the way he's looked at you for the last six months. 
Anything he's doing is because he thinks it's what's best for you. Carol nodded. What's best for me is to be with him, she replied. I think so too, Amy said. You know, I am rarely wrong, but I was wrong about you and Charlie at the beginning. You belong together. Thank you, Carol said. I can't tell you how much that means to me. How about this then, Amy said. Let me take you home. Get yourself unpacked, have a hot shower and a good cup of coffee, and just spend a few minutes between you and God. He has a way of working things out. Trust me. Well, trust him. Carol pursed her lips, nodded again, and looked out the window. Charlie was in the middle of packing to go to Austin when his phone rang. After his last conversation with Doug Allen, he almost didn't answer the call from the unfamiliar Alabama number. But since he'd left Carol the note telling her goodbye, he realized he didn't have much to lose. Hello? He answered gruffly. Charlie, this is Jean Allen. I believe you spoke with my husband. Yes, he replied. I didn't think we had much more left to say to each other, but... Oh, he told me it was a difficult conversation, she interrupted him in a sugary voice. Doug can be so direct sometimes. It has served him well in business, but some things... Well, they need a lighter touch. I'm not sure I follow, he said. Carol told us about the two of you when she was here. She spoke very well of you, but I understand you're of a certain age. Closer to Doug's in my generation, right? Um, I guess, yes, she mentioned that you have daughters around her age. You know, Charlie, times have changed a lot over the years, haven't they? This younger generation, well, certain things don't matter as much to them as they did to us. But at least when Doug and I were younger, there were certain things that just weren't done. Certain social standards that most people upheld. I'm sure the same was true with you, too. Mrs. Allen, I... Charlie, you sound like such a nice man. I want to make sure you're aware of the full situation before you think about committing yourself to a woman like Carol. He felt a wave of anger wash over him. What do you mean, a woman like her? He almost growled, his fist clenching. Well, Charlie, we looked into her past when she was dating our son. We only wanted to protect him, of course, but in doing that, we learned that her grandparents had quite an unusual situation for the time. Her grandmother was an African-American lady, and her grandfather was white. Of course, they weren't married, but there was apparently quite a bit of talk in some circles when Carol's mother was born— then I think her grandparents were killed. It was all just a very distasteful situation. We learned Carol's mother died giving birth, but we saw that the, well, you know, that ethnic influence was still present in their family. In the years when she was with our Ryan, we definitely saw a difference in how he and Carol were raised. She's an unusual girl. I'm sure you've realized that. Charlie was speechless. People like this really still exist, he thought. I mean, I knew they did, but I guess I've been lucky enough not to have a conversation with one in the last 20 years. Jean seemed to take his silence as an invitation to continue. Again, you sound like a good man, and I know things are different from one generation to the next. I just wanted you to have the full story in case there are things Carol has perhaps hidden from you. He started to think about what Beth might be facing if she really were dating Kevin Hames, and he felt like someone had lit a fire inside of him. Charlie finally found his voice. 
Mrs. Allen, I'm going to stop you right there. Carol actually has told me about her past, and let me assure you there's nothing she could tell me that would make me love her less. In fact, everything I've learned about her has only made me love her more. When God created her, he made someone unusual all right. I've never met someone with a more gracious, forgiving spirit. She overflows with joy and warmth and beauty, and you are lucky she even agrees to grace you with her presence after everything you people have put her through. For the record, she's told me quite a bit about your family as well. You're Cal's grandparents, so I recognize you have to be in the picture, but if you or your husband ever so much as look at Carol in the wrong direction again, you're going to have to answer to me. Is that clear? Well, Jean replied, I see that my husband is right. We don't at all see things eye to eye, do we? No, we absolutely don't, he yelled. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have something I have to fix. Charlie ended the call wishing he was on a landline so he could slam the receiver onto a hook. He suddenly had the sinking realization of how much his leaving would hurt Carol. All he'd wanted to do was protect her, but what if this would end up hurting her more? He had to get that note back before she got home. Oh no, what if she's home already, he wondered. I'm an idiot, he muttered to himself. Charlie North, you are an idiot, he heard a voice calling from the hall. What? He responded, looking around and wondering if he was losing his mind. I said you are an idiot, Amy said as she came into the room. You'd better hope you're dying, because if you're not, I'm going to kill you myself for what you're putting Carol through. She looked at the open suitcase on the bed that was partially filled with his shirts and pants. What do you think you're doing? She asked. I was thinking about heading to Austin for a few days. Maybe longer, he muttered. That city is abysmal, Amy said. Why anyone would ever choose to go, much less live there, is beyond me. The girls being there is one thing, but your home is here, with us, and Carol. Amy, he replied, still reeling from the phone call with Jean. You don't know the whole story. Well, why don't you tell me, then? What in the world would make you do something like this? She threw the note to Carol on the bed. Where did you get that? he asked, his face reddening. Right where you left it, at Carol's house. She'd asked me to pick up that turkey on the front porch, and I saw you leaving. Then I saw that note. Now, I'm not in the habit of intervening. Charlie raised an eyebrow at her, and she scowled at him. Okay, maybe I am, but only when it's absolutely necessary. And it seems to be right now. Charlie, this isn't right, and you know it. What in the world has gotten into you? You still love her, don't you? He sat down on the edge of the bed, gripped both knees with his hands, and took a deep breath. Of course, I still love her. I was all set to ask her to marry me. I just knew I'd never be able to let her go if we were in the same room. That's why I left her that note. He exhaled loudly and rubbed the back of his neck. Look, I found out this week that I have Parkinson's. Well, thank goodness. I was starting to think you really were dying. He looked at her, surprised, and she stared back at him a moment, chin lifted. She finally sat beside him and put an arm around his shoulders, pulling him into a hug. Hey, she said, we'll get through this, just like we always do, together. We're here for you. Oh, I know that, he replied, and I'm grateful for y'all, believe me. But Carol, I've been thinking that she, she deserves more than this. She's been through so much already. So now you're going to put her through even more by breaking her heart? That's not what I'm doing, Amy. She needs somebody that can give her everything, protect her, be strong for her. Amy rolled her eyes and shook her head. She only wants you, Charlie. She's in love with you. 
She's already worried sick because you've been ignoring her calls and messages. She had this awful trip home, then a really big visit with her uncle today, and all she wants is to see you. He wondered just how badly the trip to Alabama went. After his conversations with Doug and Jean, he could guess. He wanted so badly to protect her, but he couldn't figure out if that meant staying with her or giving her a chance to have a better life without him. He rubbed the back of his neck again. He truly didn't know what to think. Thinking about her in-laws, he started getting angry again. Then the idea of making her face his disease washed over him. I can't do that to her, he thought. This is an impossible situation. He buried his face in his hands and started shaking with sobs. Amy put her arm around his shoulders again. Oh, good Lord, it's okay. It's going to be okay. She hugged him tightly as he cried. Now listen to me, she said. I told Carol this too. I'm not often wrong, but I was wrong about y'all. In the beginning, I mean. You two belong together. God brought her out here for a reason, and if he brought her to you, then he must like you a lot. Trust him, Charlie. Trust him enough to accept the gift he gave you. She chuckled. You know, it's probably not good theology, but it's even crossed my mind that Honey might have had a hand in all this. It was a warm day for December, so he'd opened the bedroom window. As the sun set, a strong breeze blew in and stirred the shirts in the top of his suitcase. Charlie started thinking again of the agony of Honey's illness. But then, out of the blue, he remembered how she always wanted a milkshake the day after her chemo treatments. Every week, they'd go to Gilbridge's, the oldest ice cream place in Davidson. As soon as they walked in, the owner would start blending Honey's rainbow sherbet milkshake with a little bit of ginger ale. The Honey, it was now called, named in her honor because she'd come up with it. Those weekly milkshake talks had been some of the best of their marriage. Occasionally heavy, talking through necessary logistics of her illness and preparing for the future. But more often, they were light and funny, with the two of them swapping stories from life before college, trying to think of any they hadn't already shared in their 20 years of marriage. It was like a weekly reset button after her treatments, and a reminder there could be joy in the midst of pain. Charlie hadn't thought about those weekly milkshakes in years, and he realized that Honey had given him incredible gifts, even during her illness. She'd made him laugh, kept him focused on the girl's needs, and helped him navigate challenges at work. As he remembered more, he knew it hadn't been all about caretaking. They'd maintained a partnership, a good marriage, despite the pain and challenges that came with her illness. There had been joy for both of them. He thought again about what he might be facing over the next 20 years, over the rest of his life, and he wondered how having Carol with him might make it more bearable. For the first time, he wondered what he might also be able to give her during that time, and how he might be able to protect her. Let her help you through this, Amy urged, echoing his own thoughts. Who knows, maybe you can help her too. Those in-laws of hers are crazy. He laughed through his tears. They really are, he said, wiping his eyes. Hey, what all happened in Alabama anyway? Let her tell you herself, Amy said. She didn't see your note. She's just worried about you. You haven't broken her heart, not yet. Don't do that. Don't break her heart and yours too, okay? She took his chin in her hands and lifted it, raising her eyebrows at him. He nodded. Okay. She's waiting for you at her house. Go get her, Charlie.